Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Guma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much uh, to the both of you for joining me. Um, let's start off with what we have seen in the markets today. We saw European markets and uh, the JSC um, rebounding today. But then there was a surprise coming from uh, the US markets um, where initially we did see modest gains. But then now they've just gone deep into the red. When uh, Starting from you, I mean, what could be responsible for just uh, that? That difference in how the, those U.S. markets are trading. Well, look, we know we're in a bear market because of high inflation and high interest rates and the possibility of recessions, everything. But nothing goes up or down in a in a straight line. And every now and again, you get these little relief rallies in a bear market, same as you get little bear markets in a in a, in, a, in an upwardly movement market. So we had an extremely negative day, obviously on Monday. So you get a bit of a rebound the next day. And clearly the rand at 1680 helped the mining shares. Plus, of course, the fact was the ones that fell on Monday were the mining shares. So there was going to naturally be some sort of uh, uh, bounce back from that. But the reasons why we're getting this erratic market movement and mainly downward movements is what I said early on. It's inflation and interest rates are at 40-year highs globally. Yeah. Of course, the market's going to be negative and of course, it's going to be volatile. But today with the excess volatility and yesterday and also commodity prices falling heavily. I mean, Brent's below 100, yeah. Rand 1680. You know, all commodities are collapsing. To me, this seems to be, I don't know, maybe near the near the bottom. Maybe yeah. we're at the highest level of pessimism or approaching it quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, David, could this also have something to do with the Fed minutes that are coming out in about, what is it, uh, about less than two hours? I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know unless they've said something there that's really going to uh, change the course. The one thing Jay Powell can't do is backtrack because if you look, you know, Wayne was mentioning commodity prices come down, and boy, they've come down. Yeah. Copper's fallen over 30%. Oil, as, as he mentioned, is now trading below 100 And last week we were talking, or JP Morgan was talking, that if Russia keeps a pressure on, you know, it could go to 380. So, you're all over the place. But what the market seems to be doing, and this is reflected in U.S. interest rates, I'm talking not the short-term rates, but the longer-term rates, is that we're now starting to build in uh, this recession and rates going down by 2023. Yes. And that's why you're getting all these, all these strange movements in markets. And we sit in the middle here saying, what's happening? You know, where are we? Yeah. And, and how do we read this? Very, very difficult, very volatile. So, uh, and that's why you're getting the swings that you, you're talking about. Let's go deeper into that, uh, the, the oil uh, market movements. I mean, we saw a slide of 10% yesterday. Uh, when do you think that was, I don't know, justified? Uh, just the, the magnitude yes. of the slide that we saw. Uh, yeah, considering the fact that there will still be these supply, uh, the supply tightness that should keep mm -hmm. uh, prices elevated. Yeah. Look, I mean, just quickly on the world oil market, there's no shortage of oil. Eh? Yeah. So, I mean, no, no one wants to buy Russian oil and it's difficult to getting other oil to the destination, to the users. But there's no physical shortage of oil. And we all know Russia is selling to China and India now. So, you know, there's no shortage of oil. The average cost of producing oil 
I mean, Saudi Arabia is probably below $10, but the average worldwide cost is probably $40 to $45 with the very marginal U.S. producers probably at $70. So in other words, everyone's making a killing at 100, at 100 110 120 mm. which means there'll be no sh- problems with supply. And with the threat of recession and everything, the oil, I don't know, end of this year, halfway through next year, oil could be down at 60 again. Yeah. You know, then inflation, as David said, inflation disappears rapidly because you've got a recession. There's no more wage inflation. Food inflation is falling massively. Commodity prices are falling. Oil's falling. Middle of next year, we get interest rate cuts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's still stick with oil. Um, there's a question here on um, the current oil price and Cecil. Uh, so, David, Cecil. Um, good time to go in. Uh, have you missed the boat? <laughs> read where the oil price is going and you can decide. And read, read where demand is. And chemical prices as well. I would imagine that if, if oil is coming down and commodity prices are easing, you're going to find the same happening in commodity prices. So we've had a very good run in Sassel. But the way things are looking, you know, most of the commodity producers or, um, you know, are, are going to feel the pressure. Yeah. So I, I was looking at some energy businesses. They're back where they were at the beginning of the year. And we've had the war. You know, we've had the, the uh, attack on Ukraine by Russia, which sent everything out of sync. And yet, if you look at a lot of energy businesses, uh, maybe not in America, but uh, elsewhere, they're back to square one. So I think, you know, that's, that's the challenge when you get into commodities you know we all think we're great commodity traders but this can turn you upside down yeah you know, this we used to call it thrombosis you know thrombosis stocks in the old days if you went into uh trading commodities or commodity shares because they can change literally you know on a we used to say a ticky what is the modern phrase you know it could turn on a ticky but that shows my yeah. age you don't even get five cents anymore, David. No, you can't yeah. say it turns on five cents. It just hasn't been so it turns on ten cents. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wayne, with with what we're seeing, um, you know, in the oil market, uh, just specifically with Sasa, I mean, how much more upside do you see in that business? Is it it's largely dependent on that oil price? Yes, it's a heavily cyclical business, as are all mining shares. Because Sasa is essentially a mining share; it's a commodity yeah. share. And if I'm right, and hopefully I am, and the oil price goes down to 80, 70, 60, you know, the Sassel the share price will fall significantly. But it's not going to get into trouble like it did last time when it went to 25 or something. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a substantially different business there. But of course, you know, we're all talking negative and all talking from falling markets and everything. What we should be doing in the very near future is actually buying shares. So if Sassel does collapse, buy it yeah yeah all right um still sticking to uh commodities um uh, there was actually um a comment from a viewer last week on marafe uh david as you call it marafi um and i know you've been quite bullish on the business i mean there was a headline there that marafe. said marafe yeah marafe resources um it said marafe the ultimate risky commodity stock would you say that it's risky well it's a, it's a joint venture with glencore in the manganese I think uh, manganese ore, chrome ore, and uh, likewise, iron ore prices are coming down, manganese prices are coming down. But they do fix their price, I think, a quarter in advance, and they fix a pretty decent price. 
But uh, yeah. how this plays out into the future, I'm not too sure. But the, it's a pretty decent operation. I can't really call whether where, where those prices are going to be in the third and fourth quarter. I'm just yeah. setting myself up for failure you yeah. know, and for ridicule. So I, 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 I really can't call it in this, in, in this market. Yeah. Uh, and they did actually... Like any commodity price, you know, like anyone. Yeah. It's so difficult. Yeah, they did come out with that announcement uh, that they expect the third quarter ferrochrome price to uh, decrease about 16.7% in the third quarter compared yeah. to the second quarter. Uh, Wayne, is this one that uh, you look at? Or did you look that up while I was talking? No, no, no. All from, all from my head. All from my head. Well, that's clever, <laughs> I know things, David. <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> Wayne no, I mean... Would would, would Marafa be one that you go you you're looking at, or would you rather than just stick to Glencore? Yeah, look, um, uh, Marafi is not a share that David would pick. It's, it's not a David share. Ah, but he's picked it. It's not a typical David share, Marafi. Look, Marafi is a wonderful company in the upcycle, but it's heavily cyclical, the same as any other commodity company. Yeah. You know, in the good years, they print money. They get big, fat mm. dividends coming out of it. But in the bad years, you know, it's bad. So yeah. it is a typical commodity cyclical company. And right now is probably not the time to buy it. But to, to the time to buy it could be in the relatively near-term future because, you know, as you've been speaking about the whole time, commodity prices are heading down. And Marafi and Ferrochrome won't be separated from that. But at some stage, you know, maybe before the end of the year, we should look at buying all of these companies that have fallen so much. I still actually prefer to go and buy U.S. tech. I think they've fallen more, yeah. and I think there's more long-term value. But, you know, you look like a king or a queen when you get the commodity cycle right. Uh, all right. Um, it's a hard one to get right. Talking about puns, uh, where, David, you said that Murafi was a pun for you, uh, would Steinhoff be one? There's a question here on Steinhoff. Wow. <laughs> You know, that, that, that's also, these are so difficult to try and forecast. I mean, uh, they're still battling their way through their problems. I mean, they're not over them. And they're trying to build, you know, the, the whole foundation of this company. And once more, it depends on, on how Pepco does, you know, how, they, um, how that side of the business uh, performs. And we're going into a slowdown. You know, Wayne said in his opening say we're in a bear market. We're in very, very tight conditions. So while people are having a party now, it's uh, it's summer in the northern hemisphere and everybody's going out and, you know, having a great time and spending. And that that, that is expected to slow down. So I would imagine things will tighten up a little bit. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't, even, even so, I... There are plenty of other places you can go to rather than Steinhoff. And it's down, I think it's down 40, 50% since the beginning of the year. You yes, know, the great yeah. recovery hasn't really manifested itself in the share price. You know, it's been the great flop, I mean, the share price. I, I mean, uh, Wayne, don't you think that they, we could still, still see more upside like we did in January with this company? I mean, considering uh, the headway that they've made in, an, in a number of, of areas. Look, look. To have reached a settlement for most of the claims against him is a truly spectacular achievement. I mean, maybe the, the people who were claiming against them knew that either we settled or we sit in court for 20 years and get nothing out. So, But yes, they are starting to rebuild the, the business. But, yeah. you know, old bullets like David and I, scars <laughs> run deep when something like this yeah. happens. You know, you'd, you'd, yeah. you, you, wouldn't, we, you wouldn't buy it again. No yeah. matter how good it looks, no, you... 
your scars run deep. And you think of the scars caused by SAPI and many, many other companies. You yeah. know, the scars run deep and take a long, long time to heal. Yeah. All right. Um, there's a question here on banks. Um, is this now the bottom uh, for our banks and financials as 91, Sunlum and the other? I'm not sure what the other is. Um, interest rates going up, markets bottoming. Is now buying time? David. That's a Wayne question. Yeah. Okay. He loves okay. Yeah. okay, Wayne, go there. Yeah, because yeah. I know I know David, you kind of worried about, you know, how will banks perform in, in, in a, a more depressed economy. Um Wayne, your take? Yes, the buying time is coming. I still think there's a little bit more downside, but that's trying to call the bottom and that's trying to be too clever. Yeah. Honestly, I mean I mean maybe I don't know, there's ten percent, fifteen percent more downside from banks. I don't know. And as I said, maybe trying to call the bottom is an impossible task and I'm trying to be too clever. I'm fairly confident to say that if you buy banks today at these prices, you'll be quite happy in three years, four years time with your purchase. But you just might be very sad in the next five months, six months, because yeah. they could go lower first. David, yeah. yeah. I, I like to buy banks in a, in a booming economy because that's okay. when... Um, you know, that's when they do what they're there to do. They start lending money. There's more transaction. There's more merger and acquisition activity. Yeah. In other words, they're giving a lot more advice and consulting and so on. So yeah. every part of their business comes in. At, right. at the moment, it's a battle. You know, at the moment, it's, yeah. it's very difficult in this environment to really grow where where things are not happening. Looking at, you know, accelerated load shedding and now there are talks uh, that there could be a contraction in the second quarter um, when our GDP numbers come out. Uh, are you starting to kind of factor in or uh, a recession or do you think that we won't get there? I, I, you know, I'm never quite sure what a recession means. You know, I don't know what definition. If you mean a slowdown and... Uh, Companies are going to you know, struggle a little more. Yes, they are. Because, you know, even if you take, I run in the mornings, early in the mornings, and, uh, you know, I, as we go into load shedding, you hear that all the generators kick in. Yeah. I mean, it takes money to, to uh, keep those generators going in, in a very expensive diesel. And believe me, it's every household that I pass has got a generator chugging away. So you yeah. can imagine what it's costing landlords. You know, and, and I'm, these are residential landlords. Can you imagine what it's called costing business landlords and so on? That's just that cost. What about the companies that are losing production? You know, yeah. what about people who are getting late to work and all the uh, productivity that we, we're losing and the cost, uh, you know, of keeping the factories going? So it's going to hurt. You know, don't, don't write off load shedding. You know, it, yeah. there is going to be enormous cost that we're going to have. It might be short term. It doesn't look like it. So I think how, how much that uh, yeah. hurts the economy, I don't know. So, 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 what you're, so what you're saying is that even if we don't get to a technical recession of a mm. decline of two quarters, we still should be worried about, you know, contraction and how much yep. businesses and consumers yes. are under yep. pressure. Uh, yeah, Wayne, on your side, I mean, is, is a technical recession uh, something that you're, you're looking at right now? I think it's quite possible. I mean, you don't have to fall much in the South African economy to go into a recession. You only got to fall by one or two percent. And you're in, you're in the recession. I mean, you're not exactly growing strongly. Yeah. It's not load shedding. Uh, load shedding contributes it. The world is slowing down. Yeah. Right. Interest rates are going up because of higher inflation. 
And it's that that will push the world into a slowdown or a recession. Yeah. It's not the load shedding just exacerbates it. It's not the reason. Yeah. Sticking to local issues, we had Chancellor saying that they're lifting their force majeure on nine coal exporters. Of course, uh, we do know that this has been an Achilles heel for our coal miners. Um, I was actually looking at the share prices um, of Tungela and Exaro that have often cited um, uh, Transnet as the Achilles heel. Um, I'm wondering why uh, the markets have, didn't really uh, react uh, positively on those news. <laughs> I don't why. Because <laughs> they want to see it in the proof. They yeah. want to see the trucks rolling, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and they want to see the coal companies actually loading up those trucks and getting them to harbour and shipping them off. So yeah. I think the proof is going to be in the pudding. It's one thing to say we're lifting the force by year, but I mean, it's the other thing to actually uh, make it happen to get, uh, you know, to help the companies with their exports. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we've learned to be skeptical in this place. Uh, are you yeah. as look, skeptical, Wayne? <laughs> look, I mean, this is old news and we all know it. Yeah. But the amount of prosperity that the country has lost out of in the last commodity cycle up to 2008 and the current commodity cycle that's probably finished already and is already mm. falling because Transnet couldn't get coal and iron ore from the mine to the factory is actually astonishingly big. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's probably lost more money on that than, than any other single, you know, um, export issue in, in the country. So, I mean, it, it is truly a yeah. terrible set of circumstances. And I've spoken about my recent, my relatively recent trip on Transnet. <laughs> I mean, it is non-functional, essentially. Yeah. And the only way to sort it out is to get the private sector involved. It is truly the only way you're going to get it efficient. Mm. But of course, that goes against government ideology because, you know, companies are only here for profits. They're not here to deliver a, a service and, and, and look after the people. Yeah. So it's this, it's this constant clash in South Africa between essentially ideology and capitalism. Mm. All right, let's get into more questions. I can... Uh... One of the wise men possibly contextualized Discovery's uh, precipitous slide into an apparent unavoidable abyss, please. Um, on the day, it's down 3%. Um, any significant um, yeah, factors responsible for that, uh, David? It's probably market trends. and yes. they, They're feeling the bite as much as everybody else is. Um, you know, the one thing people are going to cut back if they do start to feel the pinch is on on those kind of items you know you downgrade your medical aid you don't pay your insurance premiums or you 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 reshuffle them and, and so on you're not going to take membership so i think everybody will feel uh the grip of uh, you know of tighter conditions including discovery and i think offshore as well it's not going to be easy for them to expand those businesses in this kind of environment yes. so i think you know we, we understand Things are, things are rough out there, and that's going to have some kind of consequence. All right. Um, there's another one specifically for Wayne. Um, I'd like Wayne's view on Old Mutual and their prospects for the second half of the year with the share price pulling all the way back to 2020 lows. Look, I mean, Old Mutual has done, has done well. I mean, David and I well remember the years they went overseas and lost a significant amount of money. But two things. The South African life insurance insurance 
financial services sector is overtraded. There's just too many players chasing after the uh, uh, a small pool. And secondly, I way prefer Momentum Metropolitan. The share price is just significantly lower relative to the basics of the company. But there's nothing wrong with Old Mutual. Mm. We're in a bear market, same as on Discovery. We're in a bear market in an economy that could be going into recession. You know, share prices fall. Yeah. Um, there's a question here coming through Twitter. Um, assuming I have a crystal ball and I know that the market will bottom tonight and I only wish to invest in equity markets, how should I split my investment between global and local funds taking a long-term view? David. I, 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 you know, Wayne mentioned it and I continue to push it. I think that there are a lot of opportunities on the global market, particularly uh, those big tech companies that have been hurt hard. Um, I think that's it's overdone and I think they're looking very, very attractive. They're giant businesses generating huge amounts of cash, even if sales do slow a little. So I think, if anything, I think that's where the opportunity lies yeah. in, in, in that area. But just just be careful. You know, I think you must go for companies that are profitable. By profitable, I mean, you know, at least selling something and generating some cash rather than selling dreams. You know, I, I, I never like to buy those companies where, uh, you know, they're inventing this robot that's going to do this and, <laughs> and change the world and so on. Do you think you know, Peloton very, was selling us dreams, David? I, they were selling you something that was very formidable during lockdown. Mm. And under the, they, you know, it's a brilliant company, but you can't. Now people want to go out and go back to gym again. You know, so yeah. uh, it's very hard for them to keep that up. They were they did. You know, they did very well. And it's a very good product and it will plot along. But it's not going to be the kind of growth company that was, you know, that mm. they were during lockdown. All right. Here's a technical question uh, for you, Wayne. Um, so if NASPERS or Process sell their 29% holding in Tencent at 1% uh, per annum to buy back their own shares, it will take 29 years to eliminate the 50 to 60% <laughs> discount to NAV. The present value of the discount in this scenario is around 20 to 25%. NASPERS Process shares grew by over 37% since the, they announced the buyback last Monday, while Tencent shares declined by 7%. This implies that the original discount is nearly closed. Are their share prices not overcooked now? Look, you know, getting such a technical question without having time to peruse the numbers is difficult. Mm -hmm. Our numbers show a significantly higher discount. So in other words, in theory, at the market price, they would only have to sell 60% of the... Um, of their 60% of their 10 cent shares to buy back every single share they've issued. So I, I must admit, I, I can't really answer on those numbers, but the numbers that, that, that we talk about, the, the discount is significantly higher. So sort of my answer to the question would be, no, the discount's not closed already. Um, David, I think I saw you punching in something there. <laughs> I was, I was because <laughs> after the close today, um, there was an announcement by both Process and Aspis of the shares that they bought back. And they're keeping the JSE alive. As I mentioned in a tweet, I said they're keeping the JSE in fresh milk, you know, and you can use fresh milk. I think everybody in the JSE are eating, you know, fresh buns every day because they bought back, I think, uh, 527,000 um, Aspis shares for a value of 1.25 billion. Yeah. And not on our market, but it does flow through to our market. They bought back 
443 million process for a uh, in, in value, 4.5 billion rand. I'm converting euros and that. So in one week, they are giving it a tonk. And I, I, you know, if you look at the volumes today, once again, if you go and look at the JC volumes today or value, uh, the nice person process shares made up over 32%, 33%. And that's been so every day they're yeah. keeping us alive, they're keeping the broking fraternity. Uh, you know, pumping along. Take that away. We've got nothing really happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then you know, if the, if the, if they take that away, then Shapiro will have to drink Johnny Black then. Eh? Not yeah, Johnny I've got to go. I can't hear. Yeah, no we're just talking just, just, to, just to show our age. Uh, Dave yeah. will know this well. You know, in the early nineties, you yeah. were happy if you got sixty million turnover in a day. Yeah. You yeah. were happy. It was wow. a big day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, talking about uh, stuff that's keeping you alive, Wayne, what is keeping you alive tonight? So we have 30 seconds each. Your stock pick for today, Mine's, Wayne. I can do mine in 10 seconds okay. and leave 40 for David. <laughs> cash. I still think there's okay. some downside. I'm sticking to cash, but my buying shoes or my buying shoes are in the cupboard there waiting to be put on. Uh, all right. Mm. On your side, David. I'm, 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 I still go for the beauty industry. I still, uh, I've been doing quite a bit of work on L'Oreal. Okay. And it's a magnificent company. I mean, I'm talking about the history of this business. Mm. And uh, they're seeing no slowdown in the demand for beauty products, you know, particularly hair and yeah. face, uh, face stuff. And, uh, and they've got the capacity to pick up, you know, put up prices. People are not buying down. So it's still a, it, it, it's almost like a bulletproof industry. Yeah, indeed. indeed. So I like Estee Lauder. I like L'Oreal. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So hopefully one day we'll get an IPO from Fenty Beauty, which is uh, thirty percent owned by uh, the singer Rihanna. Uh, do you do you know her, David? Of course, I know Rihanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the no, youngest... David's, David's hip, eh? I know. David, David's very hip. She walks. So, uh, yeah, I know. She so, can't so... sing. <laughs> David's very trendy. Wow. Very, I heard David saying she can't sing, but anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for your time, gentlemen, and uh, for your insights as always. Thanks, my guest, David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. Stockwatch is back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good evening.